Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Golf Now podcast. I'm one of the site experts, Chris O'Day. We're going to be talking about the world of golf, what's been going on in the last week, what's going on going forward, and some of the articles that have been on the site lately. I wanted to start off with one of the ones that West wrote this week. It was one I was really interested to see what he was going to come up with. Um, I'd seen the term hosel and chili dip a couple times over the last week. It's like, West would be the perfect person to come up with top 10 slang words in golf because he, he likes writing some interesting articles. And when I talked to him about it, he's like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. Highlight a couple of the ones he came up with. One of them, which being from the Pacific Northwest, this is one that we run into all the time. It's called a dinosaur egg. I'd never heard of it, but it makes sense once you realize what it is. So when you're out looking for a ball and it ends up getting plugged, you look at it. It's not yours. It's covered in mud. It's kind of yellow. It's been there forever. It's a dinosaur egg. It's one of the, it's maybe it's not even made anymore. It's an old Ram golf ball from the seventies. It's probably been stuck there for twenty years. But there it is. It's a dinosaur egg. One of the other ones. Whenever Top Gun comes up, have to talk about it. It's a MIG. Say, well, what's that? It's when you have a blow up hole that messes up your game so bad you collapse. You might be able to recover for a little bit, but you're turning your wings after the round. Just like what happened to Cougar in Top Gun. That's what a MIG hole is. One of the other ones, it's from another movie. It's Caddyshack. The Lumberyard. This one, it's when you hit the ball into the woods. Think about it. It kind of makes sense. Where'd it go? Right into the Lumberyard. Those are some of the ones that Wes came up with. He ended up coming up with 10. He posted it last week on the site, so you can head over there to check it out. And we'll move on to some big news that happened recently. Um, for the first time this year, Tiger is skipping an event he said that he was going to play in. Um, this one is the Honda Classic. And he's going to be playing Bay Hill instead, as well as... Waiting for it to load here. He's going to be playing Bay Hill. He's going to be playing a couple other ones. But he wants to take time off to make sure that he's healthy and he's not overworking himself. So instead of the Honda, he's going to be playing the Bay Hill and the players. Um, Brandon wrote about this one just a couple days ago. And Tiger's removing it from his schedule because he doesn't want to overwork himself. Um, he can't play. He said he can't play all the events he wants to. He's taking it off so he can focus on those events. He wanted to apologize. And he came out and said this right before the WGC Mexico started this week. Um, it makes sense that, and it's smart of Tiger to move out of this event. One of the things people worried about in the past was that he was going to overwork himself and try and play like the 25-year-old Tiger. Um, instead, he's looking forward, really trying to think about his future and realizing he's in his 40s now. This is the back half of his career, his career whether he likes it or not. So it's really smart on Tiger's part to start skipping events and think about planning it out in advance. And Brandon wrote about this on the site, and that's where you can go to check out his full article, which is really well done. And mentioning the WGC, that's the art or the event that's going on right now. And Dustin Johnson has been dominating. For the first time in his career, he went bogey-free in his first two rounds. He shot 64 and 67, and he continued that on Saturday during round three. He's still way out in front. He is 16 under, four shots clear of Rory McIlroy. And DJ has just been crushing the ball. There was a 360-plus par four, little dog leg right, 
Most guys. They're going to hit an iron into the middle of it. Set themselves up with a wedge. Not DJ. DJ bombs it over the trees. Drives the green. Has a little four-footer for eagle. 360-plus drive. Carries trees. Eagle putt on a par four. That's just ridiculous. And DJ's been doing this kind of stuff all year. He's up there in drive distance. He's averaging over 320, 330 yards of drive. He's just crushing it farther than anybody. And he really looks like he's turning it on for a full weekend for the WGC this week. Uh, Four shots ahead of Rory. Just hardly any bogeys. 64, 67. Now he's at 16 under through three. And really, it's been almost the last two years because for... 81 of the last 105 weeks, Johnson's been the number one ranked golfer in the world. And he's showing it here. And it doesn't look like anybody's going to catch him. He had a little blip today on 10 where he double bogeyed, but then 11 and 12, he went birdie birdie to get back to 1400 at that point. And he really just looks like everything's firing right now. And coming into a season where he's only had success really in one major with the win. He might be able to get two more this year. And DJ just seems like he's putting everything together this year, and it's at the perfect time. Um, he's four shots ahead of Rory. There's a couple guys, three more shots back from Rory. Uh, Patrick Reed, Cantlay, and Sergio Garcia. So really, it's if Johnson can stay ahead of Rory, he's going to have the tournament one. And normally the 360-yard drives are something that are never seen. But this week at the WGC, they're playing at an elevation of like 7,800 feet. So guys are just taking advantage of it and hitting bombs all week. Uh, Tony Finau hit a 400-yarder earlier this week. And one of the holes that guys have really been taking advantage of it are the first hole. Um, it's low 300s, like 305, 310 yards right on there, depending where they put the pin. And I think it was day one of the tournament. Rory took a two iron from 307 yards, drove the green, almost made a home one on a par four. And he's not the only guy to do it. All week, guys have been taking advantage of this elevation change and just bombing the ball down the course, cutting the distance way down and driving greens. I don't recall who it was, but someone made their putt. And just as they made their putt, a ball came rolling in off somebody's tee shot and they almost made a home one on a par four. And it's not something that us normal mortals can do, hitting these insane shots over trees and bending it around. But with these pros, they're just showing why that's exactly what they are. And they're hitting insane shots. And Tiger has had his fair of crazy shots also. Um, Friday, Tiger got stuck in a bunker on a par four. It was the ninth hole. So normally, when a guy's in a bunker with stuff in the way, they're just kind of punch out and then they'll play up and... Try and maybe save par, get bogey. Not Tiger. Tiger's used to hitting crazy shots out of bunkers. So from 130 yards away, he puts this crazy English on the ball, kind of over-exaggerates his swing. And you can see it when you look at it. He ends up with the club like perpendicular to the ground instead of the club up in the air or maybe behind him. And he kind of fades the ball out of the bunker around the tree that's in the way, lands it on the, the left side of the green, And instead of a ball, normally it'll take a bounce and spin backwards. The ball bounces and spins sideways. Tiger put so much spin in English on this ball that it spun sideways and almost he almost holed it out for eagle. He didn't end up missing his putt, but 
Tiger's showing that he is pretty much coming back and he's able to hit some of these just insane shots and that maybe Tiger is a force to be reckoned with again. Um, we've been writing about Tiger all year, a couple articles every week. So if there's ever anything Tiger-related, you can make sure to head to Pro Golf now and check it out. Um, one of the things I wanted to finish with for this week was some of the new rules that have been going on. And Ricky Fowler got in trouble for the new dropping from your knee instead of dropping from your shoulder. And it's something that the guys have been struggling with this year is the rule change to you're supposed to drop from your knee. And there's not really a gray area or in between the knee and the shoulder. They say you have to drop from your knee. Well, Fowler, just out of habit because he's what he's been doing his entire life, he dropped from his shoulder. Um, it was during round two playing with Patrick Reed. So he hits it out of bounds on his second shot. So he drops from his shoulder and then he plays from there. He ends up shooting double bogey six. And he said when he was talking to Patrick Reed about it on the green that Reed noticed and thought he might have to deal with it afterwards because the rules from your knee now. And that was the case. So Fowler put down six and ended up having to get changed to seven because he got a one stroke penalty. And there really should be something changed about this rule. It seems odd that guys have to bend down and drop it from their knee. I understand it has less bounce. It's more likely to stay within the area you drop it. And it's probably going to cut time down because sometimes dropping it from six feet or so, the ball's going to roll. But if you're in a flat area, you should be able to drop it from knee to shoulder just anywhere in there. I understand the need for consistency and kind of wanting to have nobody be able to game the system. But there are a lot of times where there's no reason to need to bend over and drop it from your knee. You should be able to drop it from anywhere in that height, and it's not really going to make a difference. And we've seen the USGA and the PGA and everybody involved make alterations to rules after the Tong Lee incident earlier this year where the caddy was in his line but not really in his line and ended up costing him $100,000. And then the next week, an incident happened again where the caddy was in the line and they were going to penalize the guy, but they said it had no, no influence on the shot at all, so they weren't going to enforce it. And this could be another one where Rule 14.3b states you need to drop it from your knee on a drop. They might change it to you just need to drop between your knee and shoulder, and it would help to transition instead of making such a big change instantly to for a couple years go knee to shoulder, anywhere in there is where you can drop it. And then after a couple of years, go to now it's the knee and people will be more used to it. Um, it almost happened to Rory later the same day. He did the same thing, actually. He dropped it from his shoulder. And then as he was getting ready to hit, he's like, oh, wait, I dropped that from my shoulder. Need to pick it back up. Dropped it from his knee. So he ended up not getting a penalty. And I think with all these newer rules, one of the articles I wanted to talk about is actually one that I wrote about this week. Um, I've been coaching high school golf for five years. This is going to be my sixth year. And I think that almost all these rules are actually going to have a positive effect on youth golf and encourage more golfers to play and keep playing. Um, and during the game of golf, as everybody who's ever played knows, sometimes you're out there for five or six hours, and it can be really frustrating. Um, you can have a bad hole, and there's it's not like basketball or baseball or football or anything like that where you can get pulled out for a little bit, get your head right, and go back in and play. Getting pulled from golf is walking from the green to the next tee. That's the only chance you really have to think about it is going from shot to shot. You're still out there the whole time. So improving the rules without changing the difficulty of the game is something that's really going to help the youth stay out there more. And I think some of the new rules are going to do a good job at fixing that. Um, 
And the article I wrote, I put a couple of the rules in there um, that stand out to me. And I think all of them are going to help with the game. Um, one of the ones is cutting down the time on a lost ball. And this might seem a little counter to what I was saying, but this kind of goes hand in hand with a couple of the other rules that have been put in play. Um, normally when you're looking for a lost ball, if you can't find it in 30 seconds to 60 seconds, you're not going to find it. And if you do find a ball, it's not going to be yours. Cutting it the time down is going to help rounds be faster. It's going to help people really be more honest about if the ball they found was theirs and just stop people from looking forever and pushing that five minutes to seven, eight, even 10 minutes, especially in high school golf where it's not always enforced. Um, and part of the thing that's going to make that rule a little bit easier is that now if a ball is accidentally moved during a search by the player or the caddy or the coach, it's not a penalty anymore. It just has to be placed back into the era that it really looks like it was at originally. And this was an issue in the past where you can have other golfers in your group, you can have spectators come help you look if you ask them to, and they're allowed to accidentally move it and they can be placed there. Well, what was happening was the golfers who lost the ball would just stand there. They wouldn't look for their ball because they were afraid of moving it and getting a penalty. And now everybody can look for the ball. If it gets accidentally moved, there's no penalty. It's going to help a lot of these golf balls get found when there is long grass or branches or stuff laying there. You don't have to start two feet away and start picking blades of grass back, worried that you're going to move your ball. You can really just start kind of kicking around with your foot, looking for golf balls, pulling stuff away. It's going to speed things up. It's going to help golfers find golf balls. And especially in high school when these kids aren't sponsored by anybody, these golf balls aren't free. They're paying for them. So if they can save $50 a year on golf balls, they're going to be happy. Their coaches are going to be happy. Their parents are going to be happy. And heck, this is even for people who play just for fun. The more golf balls you find, the more likely you are to go back because nobody likes spending money on golf balls. They're just going to lose in a hole or, hole or two. And the last rule I want to talk about is one that it's more of a local rule, but it seems like a lot of places are going to apply it as long as it's not a high level event. Um, it's not one you're likely to see in the PGA because these guys are professionals. They shouldn't be hitting it out of bounds. But the new local rule is you can take a two stroke drop when you go out of bounds. And the reason I love this one so much is there's nothing worse for these kids in their confidence than having to take the walk of shame of hitting a drive that you think is good, 250 yards or so, or even more. And you walk up there and there's no ball. You have to turn around, walk back or jog or get a ride with a coach or something and go hit in front of a group who's standing there waiting for you and hit again and then go catch up. That can really destroy a lot of the kids' confidence, especially these young kids who are 15, 16 years old. Well, the two-stroke drop now, so if you hit that ball out of bounds and you get up there, you can drop and hit your fourth shot when you're playing off of line of entry and kind of walk back and drop. And a lot of the kids are going to end up in that spot anyway, so it's just saving time. It's saving everybody on the course, and it's making it a little bit better. And being in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have a lot of daylight, and we don't have a lot of nice weather, so the faster we can play, the better. And I think all these rules are really going to help everybody in golf play better. Um, and one of the rules that is funny to me, the way they worded it, is you're encouraged to play ready golf and be ready to hit in 40 seconds. Hopefully nobody tells Bryson DeChambeau or J.B. Holmes that, 
because they aren't going to appreciate it because those guys play some slow golf. But if we can teach the youth to play ready golf, to be ready to hit when it's your turn and to be thinking about your shot before it happens, it's going to make golf a lot better. Um, it's going to make Brooks Kepka happier because I know he's had some words to say about golf that you should be able to hit in 15 to 20 seconds. If there's some wind or something like that, I understand, but everybody should be able to hit within 40 seconds. Rounds are supposed to take four hours, four hours and 30 minutes, not six hours like when JB Holmes is playing. So the quicker we can play golf while not changing the way we play too much, it's better for the game, especially for the youth. If we can teach them the right way to play, to play ready golf, and to play respectful golf as they're playing it, it's just going to be better for the game. I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. Make sure to head to Pro Golf Now to check out our articles. We've got a bunch of stuff coming out every week. You can head on over to Twitter and Facebook at Pro Golf Now, interacting with you guys, sharing stuff, just really trying to be active out there and interact with all of our fans. Thanks, guys.